you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. My name is Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast. At Mastermind Parenting, we're on a mission to support strong-willed kids and the families that love them. You're listening to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast with Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the show. Well, hi, guys. How are you this week? I am wanting to revisit an episode that I recorded long, long ago when I first started the podcast. And it was an episode called Time Out is Bogus, Why Time Out is Bogus, where I really break down this concept of time out. And I think it's confusing because I think there's still a lot of people that we respect in the child development space who believe that time out is a good thing, right? And who teach the practice of time out. And I think I mean, there's also like journals that are considered authorities on parenting that talk about time out and, you know, one minute per year and all this BS. So I break down in this episode why time out, like we need to take a time out from time out. And like, what does it stand for? You know, look, if we're talking about using time out instead of, spanking your kids. Okay. And if it's really about timeout being that you just need to have something to use when you are feeling like your situation is out of control and you don't know what to do with your kids and you're not trusting yourself in that moment. And so you have this resource that you use and it's called timeout. I'm not saying that timeout is going to damage your kids. Okay. Let's just be clear on that. And if it's something that you've been using because you haven't really known what else to do, I also want to say we got to have some grace for the whole timeout thing. Because look, if we look at timeout versus hitting your kids, yes, it's better. Okay. It's better. I think where I have evolved to now in understanding how to teach this and how to teach new ways of doing things is first and foremost, we have to look at all of the pressure that we are under as moms as parents, and specifically as moms, to get this right, to not screw up our kids. You know, there's so much information out there. And frankly, this is the wild, wild west. You know, most of us were parented in a way where there was, the parent was this authoritarian parent, and, and many of us have trauma 
frankly, from being parented by that authoritarian style. And I know that you might not even realize that you have trauma from it. It's traumatic. It's traumatic when you're a little tiny human and the people who you love the most do things that make you feel unsafe and and make you scared of them, right? Like when you're just learning how to be alive as a little human when or scared to death, right? Like that is traumatizing. And so now many of us, you know, if you're here, you're the kind of parent who listens to things like this. You're most likely a cycle breaker. You have a kid that is not easy and you really want to figure this out. Okay. So just like it's very difficult to learn how to ski as an adult, I can attest, I gave up, right? It's very hard to learn how to do things differently. And especially when we're in a moment where we've got a kid that like is really mouthy and saying nasty things to us or telling us they hate us or refusing to eat the food that we made them or won't go to bed or sleeping with us and waking us up all night long and we're exhausted. And then, oh, I'm in a frame of mind to learn all these new ways of doing things. Like this is layered and complicated and loaded. So if you have been using timeout and you're interested in maybe learning why it doesn't seem to be getting rid of the patterns that you want to get rid of, like your kid, you know, learning right from wrong or how to not hit their sibling or whatever it is. If you're like, okay, it's this thing that I use when I'm feeling out of control. And if I get really honest, it's not fixing the problem. I just want you to take a breath, know that you are a good parent. How do I know? You're the kind of parent who is here listening to things like this. And we need to have time and space and a little grace for ourselves to be able to learn a new way of doing things. So I hope that you listen to resources like this with all of that in mind. That's, that's my wish for you today. Yeah. Hope you enjoy a little blast from the past episode. And that's what I got for you. Have a wonderful week. Well, hi guys, it is Randy and welcome to episode number six, why time out is bogus. And I'm going to attempt to record a very short podcast because I have to pick up my little boy from school a bit early today. They had a field trip to a rock climbing place and uh, I have to be there in 45 minutes. So I'm going to make this a quickie, hopefully. So I know lots of you are using time out and you might be tuning in because you're like, what do you mean it's bogus? It's better than spanking. And yeah, I get it. It is better than spanking. It's totally more civilized and it's a replacement for spanking. But I want to read to you guys a couple of things about timeout. So according to Wikipedia, which we know is the gospel, not, but, but I liked their definition. It said timeout also known as social exclusion is a form of behavior modification that involves temporarily separating a person from an environment where unacceptable behavior has occurred. Social exclusion. Like, do we really want to do that? Social exclusion. 
for our kids. And then I was reading an article in Psychology Today, which was which is titled "Why Timeout Needs Why Timeouts Need a Timeout." And this psychologist goes on to talk about how it was originally intended to be this nonviolent disciplinary tool, right, to replace spanking for undesirable behaviors. And that ultimately it was really about giving the parent a timeout and so that so that we didn't yell or use physical punishment or verbal aggression and that it was meant to be a time for our child to calm down, link his or her behavior to the wrongdoing and change it. And there was a part that I wanted to read to you guys that said, psychologically, children may respond just as poorly to a timeout as they would to physical punishment. Social isolation and rejection, as with physical punishment, are experienced as shame. Shaming experiences lead children or adults to believe their entire self is bad rather than just their behavior, even when a parent differentiates the child as a person from the child's actions. In order for the child to cope with shame, he or she will typically respond by attacking oneself, attacking others, withdrawal or avoidance. Yeah, you guys, timeout is not the way. That's it's not the way we are going to be changing the conversations in our home. It's not the way that we're actually going to be able to teach our kids anything. Um, It's not effective because kids live in the present moment. So the whole idea that they're going to think about what they've done wrong and then come back and learn something from it, it's ineffective. It's not productive. It is. It literally does more harm than good. And although I do, I will acknowledge that it's an improvement from physical punishment, you know, emotional and psychological shaming techniques like this and social exclusion, like that's pretty painful too. And so it's like a slight improvement. And so we want to stop using timeout. So You may say, what's wrong with punishment? I think I've proven a pretty good argument as to why punishment is not the way to go. It's never going to be productive. It's never going to be the way that we're going to teach our kids something productive and effective. And so you might even be saying, well, I grew up with the punishment model. What's wrong with it? I learned right from wrong. And you may have convinced yourself that it worked well for you. And so if you have done that, then I think you're quite the salesperson and, um, I'd like to know if you'd like a job because I could use some salespeople working for me. Um, But if you really go back in time and you really remember what it was like when you got punished, what you're going to remember is that all kids hate their parents when they get punished. It is literally the opposite of what we want to create as a family. We hated it as kids. And so it doesn't make sense to repeat something that we hated just because we go on autopilot and we can't think of what else there is to do. There are other tools. I'm going to talk about one of the other tools that I use briefly, but um, 
I just want to kind of point out the obvious that when we repeat things that never worked in the first place is literally like the definition of insanity, repeating the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So I talk to parents all the time. And the thing is, is that nobody wants to yell at their kids. Nobody even wants to admit it. And we want them to lean on us. We want to feel like a team. And we also want them to know appropriate behavior. And we want to know that we're not powerless when they act out in ways that that we know should result in some form of a consequence or some form of a method that's going to teach them how to learn from this experience and behave differently in the future. That is really the point. Punishment is really just kind of an eye for an eye and you're taking away freedom to uh, to make someone pay for their wrongdoing. But when it comes to our kids acting out, I'm going to say Dr. Ross Green's line again, kids do well if they can. So when a kid's acting out, there's something else going on that we got to get curious and investigate. And when we just, you know, smack down a punishment on them, all they do is learn not to trust us and not to help them with whatever's going on with them in the first place. So it really causes this sense of divisiveness and ultimately secrecy. Because when we punish our kids by doing things like shaming them and, uh, and, and, you know, punishing them and what is it, social excluding them, socially excluding them from our family, the place that they're supposed to be able to feel safe. We literally teach them that the world is not safe, that they can't even count on the people that they're supposed to trust the most. And what it causes them to do, like like some of you may be saying, but when I put my kid in a timeout and then I say, now, what did you do wrong? And, I, and they tell me what they did wrong and then they apologize. It seems to be working. And what I would like to offer you is that all you've taught your kids to do is basically to lie to you because Kids under the age of 12 don't change their future behavior based on punishment. They don't. They live in the present moment. They do not change their future behavior based on punishment. So when they're acting like they got the lesson in those moments, they're not. They're sitting there. They're plotting their revenge. If they got put into timeout because they were violent with a sibling, they're sitting there thinking about how that sibling was acting like a baby and got them in trouble and they can't wait till your back is turned so that they can take out and seek revenge on that sibling. That's why when you use think punishing methods like spanking or timeout, ultimately you're just going to get more of the exact behavior that you're trying to get rid of. That's the deal. Punishment and timeout is divisive and accomplishes the opposite of what we want to do. And they really are only capable of reflecting on 
this present moment, or if they're in a calm centered space and you have a productive conversation where you're really being a curious investigator and trying to get underneath whatever the big feeling was that caused them to act out, well, then they can actually learn something. Then they can actually hear you. They're in their prefrontal lobe. They're, they're able to do all of that executive functioning where they can problem solve and think clearly. But when you're trying to talk about things, when you're in a place of punishing this child and they're sitting there and they've had their freedom taken away from them and they, and there's this social exclusion going on, I promise you they are not in that executive problem solving mode. They're in their emotional centers of their brain. And all they're doing at that moment is thinking of ways that they're going to get back at whoever took their freedom away. I know you guys want a prescribed formula, and I wish that I have one. I do have tools that help. I do have this method of having a productive conversation, of investigating, of getting curious, of always infusing empathy. That's really, honestly, the way we teach our kids how to change their future behavior. And unfortunately, you know, the thing is, is that we're people, we're not robots. So the whole prescribed formula, do this one, two, three tool, it's never going to work. It doesn't work. We are humans. And so having productive conversations allows you to find the answers with your kids, allows you to set those boundaries and those parameters of acceptable behaviors and to do that thing that I, I talked about in a few, a few episodes ago about parenting is adopting a set of rules, repeating them often and following through consistently. Like when you have these productive conversations and your kid feels empathized with, and now they're in that executive part of their brain, well, that's when you're like, and remember, here's the rule. We put a hard stop to any violence. You know, it's part of our family manifesto. It's posted in the kitchen. We had a whole family meeting about it. There is absolutely no violence used in this family. Not that means violent words or violent actions towards anyone in this household. It's a non-negotiable. So when you show up in those violent ways, this is the course of action that will always happen. And... And so when you, when you repeat that and repeat that and repeat that and constantly tell them we are a team, we have to be able to rely on each other. This has to be a safe zone for everyone. So it's not okay. It's okay for you to have big feelings. It's not okay to take those big feelings out on the other members of this family or frankly on anyone. So You know, and so you have those opportunities to state those parameters and repeat those rules and follow through consistently. And you can have consequences which are logical and related. You know, you have a kid that's I had a parent who wrote to me this morning to give me an update about what's going on with her child. And she said, "Um, I'm looking for a consequence and the consequence she came up with was not logical or related. It was like if her child continues to act out violently, um, she was going to take away her time to play with her Shopkins. And I said, actually, I don't think that's logical or related. But what would be logical and related is your body is out of control. And what that tells me is that you need more sleep. So tonight you will be going to sleep 30 minutes earlier. And what that looks like is that there's not going to be time for books. 
unless you want to go and start getting ready way ahead of time and make sure that you have time for books, I'm just telling you right now, there will not be time for books. That's what's going to happen tonight. So there will not be any talking about this. This is not up for discussion. You have to have extra sleep because these violent outbursts, they're against our family code and, and it's, it's not optional. We're going to get your body the sleep that it needs because I love you too much not to. And this family is a team. And I know when you're behaving that way, it just means that your body needs more rest because you're definitely feeling out of control. We want to see our kids perspectives constantly. Remember, when they're, walk, when they're acting out, they're having some kind of big emotion inside and they don't know a productive way to, to you know, release it. And so they say unkind things or they fight with people or they do things, they break the rules. Um, they're not being cooperative. They're not getting with the program. And so we have to walk in their shoes and model empathy and really get underneath what's going on by seeing their perspective so that we can actually attack the problem in a productive way. And when we do it, that's what we model. We model seeing other people's perspectives, which actually doesn't come naturally for kids. Kids are naturally egocentric until they're about 12 or so. So when we constantly show up from a place of seeing their perspective, walking in their shoes, attacking the problem in that way, then we teach them perspective taking at a much younger age than, they, than the typical kid typically gets it. So I hope you're not feeling annoyed with me, but you, if you are feeling annoyed with me, I totally get it. And I am also an instant gratification junkie. And I know you want me just to tell you exactly what to do. Right. And so you may have tried like the counting thing and maybe that worked for like a week or you might have tried like the sticker chart and that worked for maybe two weeks until it needed to like it kept like the prizes kept increasing and increasing and increasing um and that's the thing is that all of that, that whole rewards punishment model, it's a band-aid approach. It will sometimes work in the short term, but very quickly your kids catch on and it's not a long-term solution like having these productive conversations are. The alternative to timeout that I teach is something I call the calm down corner. And it's instead of timeout, right? It's using effective praise in, in, instead of sticker charts. And what we teach our kids to do, and I have a whole like long method for teaching this so that people really understand it. But the point is the difference with the calm down corner is, is we're basically teaching our kids when they're feeling out of control, they have access to this awesome thing called the breath. And we're really teaching them how to take deep breaths and calm themselves down. We separate them right? We do separate them and we teach and we teach them. We can't understand when they're whining. We can't understand when they're yelling at us. It's not okay to have those behaviors out in the common areas of the home. We have a spot that maybe it's in their room. Maybe it's a little tent somewhere kind of off the beaten path in that spot, in that calm down corner. 
you're going to have things that your child actually chooses at a non-relevant time. And it's their safe zone. It's where they get to go to get themselves calm so they can they can breathe. You can have like some lavender smelling things. They can have those squishy ball things. They can have a special stuffed animal. They can have books there. I actually told the client who called me or who emailed me about um, trying to take away the Shopkins. I said, I think part of her calm down corner should be playing with her Shopkins because obviously that calms her down. The point of the calm down corner is that it's not punishment. It's a place that we send our kids to get their bodies calm because the message over and over again is calm people solve problems, right? Calm people solve problems. And as soon as you're calm, this is how it really, really differs from the, from timeout. As soon as you're calm, you come back out and find me. Cause we can talk about anything when we're calm. That's what we do. We're, we're civilized human beings who talk about things, problems come up in our day, and we can talk about absolutely anything when we're calm. But when we're whining, when we're yelling, when things are out of control, nothing, nothing good's going to come from that. So we're going to wait till we're calm. We're going to table things when, when emotions are heated there and we're going to table it and we're going to come back together when we're calm and we're going to talk about it. So when you have a kid that's out of control, you, they know because you've established this calm down corner at a non-relevant time and it's their safe place where they get to go and do whatever it is that they need to do to, you know, get to a calm place. And we teach when they're little, it's really fun because there's all these different ways to teach fun ways to practice the breath, blowing out the flower, sniffing the flower. There's something I teach called the drain, um, or blowing up the red hot air balloon where they do a little visualization. And when you first start teaching it to them, you, you model it for them. And as humans, we all have these things called mirror neurons. So it's kind of like, you know, how when somebody yawns, you can't help but yawn too. Well, that's the same way. So when you have a two-year-old that's super out of control and you're saying, I can't understand you when you match my voice, I'll be able to understand you. And you're looking at them dead on and you're doing these really exaggerated breaths as well as modeling this exaggerated breath anytime you're on the verge of yelling this is really you guys where I started anytime I felt like I was about to lose it I would take these deep audible breaths to the point that my kids even kind of like connected me taking deep audible breaths with somebody like me being upset with someone they would be like what's wrong did I do something you know just because I was taking a deep breath and I'm like no everything's fine I was thinking about something else that was stressing me out but that's a great place for you to start is when you're on the verge of losing it doing these really exaggerated deep audible breaths if your kids are a little older they'll be like what is wrong with you and why are you acting so weird but it's better than yelling so whatever uh but modeling that for your kids and then teaching them when they go to their calm down spot and they're two, you can do these deep audible breaths. You can look at them. Their mirror neurons will kick in and they won't be able to help but to but but to copy that same breath. And I have so much evidence that this works. It's It, it works in my life. Uh, my son, who's now 12, my youngest, when he was two, he went through a phase where like every night he would 
get sent away from the dinner table because he would have some kind of behavior. I think he just like was done at the end of the day. And it was very exciting for him to get everyone back together. And he didn't want to eat because we all know what two year olds do. Like they all of a sudden lose their appetites, but he was just like done eating for the day. And so he would always have some kind of behavior not always, but this went on for several months where he was really disruptive to the family meal. And so I would send him away to his calm down spot, which he chose our dog bed, which was like in the next room that had all these stuffed animals that our dog had stolen from everyone. And, um, and he would go and, and, and I would see him over there, his little two year old self. And he'd be like, (sighs) real exaggerated. And then he would yell, I'm calm, mommy. And I would say, not yet. You see, I, when your voice matches mine, I, I'll know that you're calm. You don't sound calm yet. And then a couple moments later, he'd be like, I'm calm, mommy. And I'd go over to him and I'd say, the first thing you say, this is the effective praise part. Look at you. You calmed yourself down. Way to go. That can be really hard to do. Are you ready to come back to the table? Not let's talk about appropriate dinner behavior in that moment. That's not when you're going to talk about that. You're just going to use effective praise and you're going to ask them if they're ready to come and be a civilized person, basically, and rejoin the family. And so that's how they learn that whenever they're acting like that and they're being super disruptive or not cooperative or showing some kind of out of control behavior, either through their words or through their actions, then they need to go away get themselves to a calm, civilized place and come back. And when you start this with your kids, when they're really little, like at two, it's awesome because they get with the program really quickly. And by the time they're three, four and five, like they already know it, it's already been established. So that's the calm down corner. That's what I teach as an alternative to timeout. Any version of that is better. And really just having these productive conversations and speaking about what's going on, investigating, getting curious, getting underneath the behavior rather than just attacking it. This is the way we really teach our kids how to alter their future behavior. So hope that was helpful. I got to go get my kid from school and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye bye. Thanks for listening today, guys. I hope you picked up some tips, tools, maybe some baby steps for creating more balance and boundaries in your life. And I just wanted to let you know, if you want to continue moving the needle forward in creating this for yourself, having a happier household, I want you to go to my website and check out mastermindparenting.com. We have three beginning programs. And if you need some accountability and more support, then please look for the one that would be a good fit for you. Um, And as always, we're on all the social channels under Mastermind Parenting. On Instagram, it's Mastermind underscore Parenting. Um, And, you know, periodically I do pop up on different Instagram lives, Facebook lives, where I give you teaching and coaching. And I love engaging with you live to help you help your strong-willed kids so that they can feel better because when they feel better, they do better. And, um, I love, love, love getting to know you guys. So thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Super, super appreciative.